are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. This episode of the Traditional Outdoors Podcast is sponsored by Great Northern Bow Company. If you're a bow hunter, you're a descendant of a very old and very long line of independent, skillful, and resourceful human beings that reaches back to prehistory. You may not think of yourself as a rare breed, but you are. Bow hunters who use longbows and recurve bows for their hunting are a breed of part. They form a personal connection with their hunting equipment, especially their bows. At Great Northern Bow Company, they design and build every bow with you in mind and with respect for the long and noble hunter-gatherer lineage we are all connected to. They build hunting bows, bows designed to make you the very best bow hunter you can be. How do they do it? By paying attention to what really matters in a bow. Stability, smoothness of draw, reliability, performance, refined design, and by using carefully selected materials. Their bows have an understated beauty and refinement of appearance that will make them hold their appeal for a lifetime, and they still build their bows one at a time by hand. Now, Great Northern Bow Company could build fancy bows, they could build souped-up bows, or they could build bows and make impressive-sounding claims about them. That isn't what they do. They build real-world bows for the real world of bow hunting. If there are any claims to be made, you will be the one to make them. And you'll make them based on the confidence and success you'll experience through many years of hunting with your Great Northern Bow. So consider making your next custom bow a Great Northern Bow. And in the meantime, be sure to check out their website at gnbco.com. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Steve Angel, and I'm joined tonight, as usual, by Mr. Deer Repellent himself, my good buddy, Nick View. How's it going, buddy? That's that's low, dude. <laughs> no, I'm doing good. I, I mean, as good as I can be. Hunting season's over, and I am having tag soup. Yeah, I don't get to give you a hard time about much, but... The the whole deer repellent thing, man. You've had a heck of a you've had a heck of a season. Deer hate me. Uh, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, and and I, I don't know why I haven't killed enough of them. <laughs> but um, maybe they just maybe they just see you as that big of a threat. Uh, you know what? It was an educational year. I saw a lot of deer, and I I missed two. I missed two bucks. Um, you know, you, you really you should stop them first before you try to shoot at them, folks. Um, <laughs> especially on the ground. Uh, but no, it was a good year though. I, I, I think I, I think I, it was, it was an enjoyable season and I don't regret any of it. So, um, it's, oh, well it's over now, but you know, I got stuff to look forward to. What about you? Man? Well, you know, I was going to say, I know you, uh, in some ways put yourself out there a little bit more. I mean, you, I think you put in more effort this year. Um, and I think, I think you saw some of the results and I'm hoping that you're going to let that carry into, uh, postseason scouting and and so forth and and start getting ahead on on next year as well. But uh, uh, you know I've, I've been going pretty good here. I mean I'm still getting out and hunting a little bit. We still have uh, 12 more days as of today of our season left. So I'm hoping to hoping to get out a few more times. I had um, had another really nice buck that I've seen uh, caught on camera quite a few times come by me earlier in the week, stopped in front of me for at least 45 seconds, broadside at 10 yards. And all I could do was watch him. Uh, no tags, but, uh, he'll be, he'll be really good next year. Um, I even, uh, showed, uh, 
Gene, my buddy up here, hunts with me some in Hall County. I, I showed him the area that I know the bucks, you know, working some really large scrapes. And he hunted it one day this week and didn't, didn't have any luck. And then uh, yesterday, I uh, don't want to go down too far down on this rabbit trail, but um, I actually made my first sit yesterday in a in a tree saddle and there was going to be a lot more conversations about that coming because that that's i was really impressed i said it for about four hours and uh didn't see anything but it's funny the the spot that i went to um i have a, a bit of a theory sometimes when i'm hunting uh just hunting funnels or maybe i'm hunting you know uh browse type feed um i'll, I'll kind of hunt an area that's closest to my vehicle and, and work my way deeper in as, as, as time goes by. And I actually thought about working, uh, about a hundred yards past where I ended up sitting yesterday and talk myself out of it. So, you know, hunt here. And if you don't see anything, then you can move a little bit deeper into this thick stuff. And, uh, I had one of your your situations. I listened to deer blow at me for about <laughs> ten minutes right before dark. That were about a hundred yards further in, but the wind had shifted, and it was carrying my it was carrying my scent right to them. But they were far enough away that I know that it won't change their pattern so much. They'll keep using that area, so that's probably where I'm gonna try to sit some this coming weekend. So yeah, that's a that's that's a great little spot with some with some pretty country to sit in there, and. uh and yeah, you know, you mentioned effort and you know, you're absolutely right. Like I've always kind of been, I've always wanted to keep deer hunting a mystery. I've never really wanted to put a lot into it that way. Um, and I got lucky, you know, I, I've been lucky in the past, you know, where I've had, and, 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 you know, I wouldn't even call it luck. I think what it is more is I've seen a lot of immature deer and killed immature yeah. deer. Um, I can tell you that this year, you know, I did, like you said, I did a lot more. I hunted harder. I hunted smarter. I, I put more thought into everything. Um, you know, from watching the DVDs and, and scouting and things like that, I didn't use the tree stand at all. Um, except hunting with you, which I think I would have had better success. I know I would have had better success had I, um, but I will say that I'm seeing more mature deer now better deer all the deer i saw this year the two deer i shot at were all better deer than i've shot at in the past yeah now you just more killed you got to fine tune and tweak a little bit between now and and next exactly but i felt like uh i felt like i was in the right spots i knew what was happening um i knew more about the wind and and where to be and and food sources and things like that where before i was kind of just like you know i'd go out of the woods and find a corridor and i'd make sure the wind was in my face and i'd hunt that way um, but if you're going to hunt the way I do, you, it's more to it than that. I mean, so much has to align fate wise for that to work or you get a really dumb deer and you're in the right, right spot. And I'm, I'm getting to the point of evolving to where I don't want to do that anymore. So I think I took a big step this year and, uh, I think next year's going to be awesome. So yeah, looking forward to it. Well, you know, that's enough of that, but yeah, uh, yeah. You're ready to, you're ready to introduce our guest and get into that discussion. Yeah, I think that segues into somebody who uh, who's a lot not like me, <laughs> who puts in, who's more like you and, and does and does all the sciencing involved in deer hunting. And uh, 
yeah, why don't you go ahead and introduce sure. him, Steve? Sure. Well, tonight we're joined by Mr. Ben Davis. Ben uh, Ben owns and, and maintains a YouTube channel, uh, Sawbriar Outdoors. Uh, and I'll be honest, I had not run across this until, uh, I guess it's been a month or so ago, um, my buddy Chris Spikes just posted a face, uh, a link on Facebook and, uh, I followed the, the link, watched the video and then spent the next hour going through the rest of the videos and watching those. But, uh, been looking forward to getting you on here, Ben. How's it going, man? Hey, it's going great, Steve. Thank you. I appreciate you, uh, having me on here. Oh, we've been, I've been looking forward to it. I know we, we, we spoke on the phone, uh, I guess it's been a month and a half, maybe two months ago about, about getting this lined up. And, uh, I've really been looking forward to it. I had a really good time chatting with you on the phone that day and, uh, uh, was just, you know, really looking forward to having you on here and, and, and talking about, you know, some of the videos that you've done and, uh, maybe what you, what you've got planned in the future. But, you know, before we get, get too far into, into all that, you know, for the folks that don't know you, give us a little background about yourself and, and maybe, you know, how you got started in hunting and so forth. And then we'll just kind of see where it goes from there. All right. Well, sounds good. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, I'm just honored to be a part of your podcast, but, uh, my name's Ben Davis. I live down here in, in South Alabama or in central Alabama rather, and hunt down in South Alabama, uh, predominantly. And, uh, you know, I just, like most of you, you you guys and your other guests on the podcast, I grew up hunting and and fishing and just being in the outdoors and, and uh, have just been, you know, infatuated with it since I was a kid. And I don't remember ever not being interested in, in hunting and fishing. And it was just uh, just a way of life and, and what what we did growing up. And, you know, luckily my dad got me into hunting and, and took me. Uh, we did a lot of squ- squirrel hunting, small game hunting stuff when I was growing up. And then he took me and killed my first deer. And I, I just won't ever forget that. And that really just kind of lit a fire that, uh, you know, hadn't quit burning yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, as, as time go, grow, went on, I, I got a little older. And then when I turned about 15, I started my first job and got to working with a guy and my buddy Wes. And, and he really t- took me under his wing and, and taught me a whole lot about deer hunting. You know, he was one of those guys that, or is one of these guys that's just completely, uh, he's just a deer killing machine. And I was fortunate to have somebody like him at a young age, take me and teach me, you know, how to kill deer. I mean, consistently. And, uh, and that was, man, it just, you know, it took off from there. When I turned 16, I, I got my first bow when I was 16 and got my driver's license and, and I've been after him ever since. Now, and you mentioned your your friend, but when we uh, when I start, started watching your videos, one of the first things that I noticed and, and kind of keyed in on was, you know, your your uh, videos talk about a, hunt, a similar hunting style to to Warren Womack and and Robert Carter and Chris Spikes, which I know you know. Uh, I don't know if you know all three of those guys, but I know you know some of them. Um, Yes, sir. Did, did uh, you know, now was the, the feed tree hunting, is that, you know, is that what your 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 mentor kind of uh, started you out on, or did that come later? Well, um, yes, he did start me out on that, and I grew up hunting, you know, public land. We grew up bow hunting public land, and he showed me, you know, what deer sign looked like. I won't ever forget, he showed me my first hot acorn tree and what that looked like, and uh, Nick, I'm sorry. I apologize. I know you're from Michigan. I say acorn, <laughs> and you probably say acorn. 
but you're just going to have to bear with me. Yeah, we say, hey, corn. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's fine, man. I like the way you say I, it better. I, I know I know what an acorn is. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Steve. Um, but, but anyway, he showed me, you know, what that sign looked like and how to find it in the woods. And then uh, later on, I, I ran into to Mr. Warren. Mr. Warren and his style and but kind of backing up before that um I, I was fortunate I kind of got a head start on a lot of other guys and in, in regards to feed tree hunting and things because one I had a good teacher at a young age and two um what I guess what really you know tied this together is uh, my parents got me involved with the 4-H program and basically that's a I don't know if you guys know what that is mm-hmm. I do yeah. okay and part of part of that program is one of the activities that they have or, or courses is a, a forestry judging program. And I got involved in that when I was a teenager. And so uh, we learned tree identification uh, and, and a lot of other different things, but uh, compass orientating and, and how to navigate through the woods. And so really by the time I was 16, 17 years old, I knew every tree native in, in the woods. And that really, I feel like, gave me a a jump start and an upper hand because, you know, and and now I didn't realize it at the time. You know, I kind of took it for granted. But now if I go in the woods with a friend or or whoever, an average guy that hunts with me, most people don't know what all those different trees are and, and what trees produce mass crops and which ones don't and which ones produce at which times of the year and that sort of thing. And and uh, I was just lucky and fortunate to have that knowledge and, and that experience as a young guy. Uh, and that's really stuck with me, you know, now that I can, I can go through the woods and, and really just, I can find a white oak tree from a hundred yards away. You know, it's, it's just natural mm-hmm. uh, because of all that repetition. So with that being said, you, you take the, the passion for, for hunting and, and you mesh that up with the knowledge that I learned through that 4-H program. And that's really helped me throughout the years. Fast forward to probably three, four, five years ago, um, I ran across Mr. Warren Womack and uh, his YouTube videos and some of his forums and things that he's posted out there. And that's when things really uh, accelerated from there. Um, and I guess I know you, you know him and have, have met him, talked to him. I I know him and I've talked to him on the phone and, and, you know, talked to him through Facebook. I've never had the pleasure of meeting him face to face, but hoping to real soon, hopefully by, you know, next year or so. Well, good. I hope you do too. And it it will be a a pleasure to meet him because you'll really enjoy him. He's just a fantastic man and, and a heck of a woodsman. And uh, he's really taught me a lot uh, over the years. And, and, you know, you can, you can learn a lot just by watching his videos and, and going through and reading his information that he's got out there. He's done a great job of keeping records and also of publicizing that information for people to learn from. And I'm very grateful uh, for that. And I was actually able to invite him down to come do a hunt with me uh, last year. And uh, that was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed it. And he killed his, I think it was 280th bow kill. Uh, wow. with me yeah so <laughs> that's <it> was, just amazing <laughs> <laughs> he's the man if you don't know who warren womack is you need to check him out because he's he's the man when it comes to killing deer with a bow and arrow 
And you know, the beauty of, if nothing else, one of the beauties of podcast is preserving, uh, you know, people like Mr. Womack. I, I don't know how many podcasts he's been on at this point. Every time I, cause I, we want to have him on the show, but every time I turn around, you know, he's been on another, another podcast and I, you know, I, I, I would like for, you know, one, I, I'm sure he probably gets tired of doing them over and over again. And, you know, I want to have a conversation with him, you know, that's, that's a little bit different than, you know, everything else he's done. So, you know, we're, we're definitely going to have him on the show, but that's the beauty of the podcast is I think you'd be hard pressed at this point to find many really, uh, active, um, uh, whitetail hunters that, <laughs> that don't know who Warren Womack is at this point. Um, he's, he's become a living legend in the last couple of years, no doubt. Well, that, that's funny you say that. And I'll, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you a couple funny stories with him, but one is, uh, you know, I invite him down and, and I'm in a hunt club down in South Alabama mm-hmm. and, I think there's about 10 of us in it or whatever. And when he was down there, I had to introduce him as my grandfather. I didn't want anybody to know who he was. (laughs) (laughs) I I asked him if he would just let me introduce him as my granddad. And uh, that way the other guys wouldn't catch on to his tactics. (laughs) Did it work? I don't know. I think it worked for a little while. They're probably catching on by now. (laughs) <laughs> that's too funny yeah and you know you was talking about the the 4-h um i didn't do 4-h but i had a i had a very similar situation i i was in um ffa in high school okay and we had a and i'm trying to remember exactly what it was called i think it was actually called i you know what i can't even remember now but it was basically the same thing where it was around tree identification we we took it a little bit further in that not only was it the identification of the tree, but, and I can't do it anymore, but you, you had this, uh, special like yardstick. I know it had a name. I don't remember. It's been too many, too many years gone by, but you know, you can basically go out and, and, and determine how much lumber's in a tree, how tall the tree, all this up based on this, this stick. So, um, did all of that when I was in, when in high school, uh, and attributed a lot of that to, uh, I'm kind of the same way. In fact, you know, I can actually ride down the road and, and I've gotten to the point now where I can tell, you know, red oaks and white oaks just by the color of the leaves from the highway. I know exactly which one's which before I even get in there. Yes, sir. Um, but uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that they know it's acorns, Nick, but they, <laughs> they, they don't they don't know what they don't know a white oak from a red oak from a, a pin oak, water oak. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ones, much less which ones are in the family of red oaks and which ones are in the family of white oaks, because uh, there is a big difference. That's right. And they have different, you know, drop times and drop cycles. And, uh, you know, it's really handy to know that, you know, I know when season comes in pretty much what I'm going to start on. And then I know what I'm going to end on, say December, um, you know, assuming that they all drop now this year we've had a little different story um our water oaks hadn't dropped hardly any at all we we had a late spring uh frost i think killed a lot of them and i think i'm actually may have heard chris mention the same thing in his area and we had um we had a early abandonment of the white oaks here near where i'm at we had um acorns everywhere in the you know middle part of the year and by the time hunting season came in there were there were not um hmm. 
it, weirdest thing I've ever seen. But now that there's a piece of public land, I hunt uh, 30, 30 minutes or so. I'm trying to think of my orientation, which would be northeast of where I live. And uh, I showed up on that WMA and I'd never, I hadn't hunted it before this year. But when I showed up, there was white oak acorns everywhere on that WMA, just 30 minutes away. But all the places that I normally hunt, there were none this year. Um, oh man, really kind of, really kind of odd. Um, and I've noticed, and I think we were—I don't remember if it was RC or Chris Spikes that I was talking to when we had them on. But you know, everybody always talks about white oaks, and I've—I've I've definitely seen a lot of deer on on white oaks. I've shot deer under white oaks, but in certain areas, especially in North Georgia, the last few years. I have seen more feed sign around red oaks than I have around white oaks, almost like three to one. And Mm. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's something about the soil in those, in those areas that maybe the, the red oak uh, acorns are not as, as uh, bitter as, as I I don't know, but um, it's something going on because the white oak, they'll, they'll eat the white oak acorns, but just, once the red oaks start dropping, they just abandon everything and go straight to them. Uh, really kind of odd. That is odd. And I also heard you mention in one of your podcasts, I think with uh, maybe Mr. Carter, um, was you've got those chestnut oaks, or some people call them mountain oaks, that uh, you say the deer won't hardly touch up there. Nothing. Hogs won't eat them. See, that's strange. We have some here where I live in central Alabama, and I've killed a, a handful of deer off of them early season because they're usually the first ones to drop you know in the higher elevation areas and uh if you can find one in the right spot you can kill deer off of them here last year um i think it was last year and and i may have even talked about this with rc but there's a there's a certain section that i hunt on this one wma that has always been good to me and i always go back there but to access it i actually use a a valley uh between two ridges uh, and it's, it's full of chestnut oaks. And I believe it was last year by, you know, early October, there were so many of these golf ball sized <laughs> chestnut oaks on the ground. You, it was hard to walk. When I went back in late January to do some postseason scouting on that, uh, WMA track, every one of those acorns were still on the ground. Nothing had touched a one of them. Oh my goodness. Um, it, it, they just, nothing will eat them that I'm, that I'm aware of. And I've talked to several other people that in a local traditional club here that live in the area. And they all say the same thing is, you know, they'll rot. Nothing eats those things. So I don't know what there's obviously a, it's a different chestnut Oak. I mean, I've seen the leaves on them. I've never seen the, one of the, the swamp chestnuts, you know, in person, but I've seen the leaves, they look identical. So again, it may be something about the soil composition that's just making them edible where you guys are and they're not here. I don't, or maybe it's a different tree altogether. I don't know. Well, we have two different, we have a swamp chestnut down in South Alabama and we have here in central Alabama where I live, we have the chestnut oak, which is what you're talking about right. there. The, it's like a mountain oak is what people call it. It grows in high elevation. And then down there in the swampy areas, we have a swamp chestnut oak. Now deer absolutely love those. And uh, that's what I've been hunting. I've probably killed the most of my deer this year off of those. And, and that's uh, what RC was saying too. So I need to find some of those. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's many in the Georgia mountains, but uh, if you find one, you might ought to hang in there with it. <laughs> 
So before we before we get ahead of ourselves, um, you know, I know uh, I do want to go back and talk a little bit about some of your videos that you know that I've I've personally watched, and I know Nick watched some of them as well, and and I know that you you do still uh, hunt with both compound and traditional bow. Um, and you know, Nick and I aren't going to beat you up about that, but I, <laughs> I, do, I do have to, you know, first of all, I guess, do you, do you have any plans to, to switch over to, to all traditional at any point? Or is there, is there something about the compound that just still lure, lures you in? Oh boy. Uh, I'd like to say that I'm going to switch, uh, and go all the way to the trad bow, but I, I better not make that promise, uh, at least while it's recording. <laughs> you think we'd hold it we'd, we'd hold your head over it or something well i don't know you might <laughs> um I'm, I, and, I'm it's, just, and it's just I, i'm sorry ben it's just it's and the reason i the main reason i wanted to bring that up is that, you know most you've obviously been successful with a trad bow i mean I've, I've seen the the videos and it's just i think you're you're you may be a bit of a an, an anomaly that most people once they've once they've tasted that success with a trad bow it's just they don't, they don't look back. So, I, you know, I think it's a bit, I was just a bit curious as to, you know, where the, where the allure back to the compound was with you. That's interesting. Well, I, and I'll make it, I'll make that easy for you. Basically it boils down to my effective range, you know, with, uh, there's some guys out there that can shoot a traditional bow, you know, at whatever distance they want to. And myself, I'm not comfortable past let's just say 20 yards. So I have to limit myself. Uh, and hopefully one day I'll, I'll be able to either maximize that range or just, um, you know, limit myself. But so right now it depends on the setup of what I'm hunting, which, which bow I take sometimes. Like for example, if it's, you know, middle of November, early November and that the acorns are falling real good. And I feel like I can get on a primary feed tree uh, where I can put the deer within real close range, then I'm taking my, my recurve, no doubt, no question. Um, or at least most of the time, because uh, I can get them a lot closer than I can with, you know, say I'm hunting a food plot or a trail or a fun, you know, whatever else. So with that being said, I have to, I have to just kind of, it's situational for me. Now, there's nothing like, I will say there's nothing like, taking a deer with traditional archer equipment both you guys know that and the rush is just it doesn't even compare to a compound and uh we'll get more into that probably later on but uh yeah the reason both is my effective range and 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 i will say um so i i i typically won't take shots over 20 yards myself and i can i can accurately shoot further i think there's just too many variables uh on whitetails to try to shoot past 20 yards um, I, I just won't do it um, i agree hogs yeah i'll shoot at hogs past 20 yards um but i think for me at least um and and i should preface this even when i hunted with a compound which has been a a long time ago and there's been a lot of there's been a lot of techno technological advances even in compounds since i used one but i never shot a compound over 30 so you know there was really only a 10 yard difference for me but 
it, it might as well have been a hundred yards. That that ten yards was a, a huge challenge when I first decided I was just going to hunt with a traditional gear mm-hmm. um, of consistently getting animals that 10 yards closer. It felt like every animal I saw was between 20 and 30 yards. I um, know. <laughs> it's funny how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it though? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I can, I can see that. I, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here so that, you know, over time now, I feel like I've know you well enough that I can continue to put pressure on you. Just hang the, hang the, the compound up. Well, <laughs> Hey, keep it coming because I, I really want to make myself do that. It's just, like you said, how many times are they going to be 25 yards, you know? And you think, oh, 25 yards, you ought to be able to take that. But uh, I'm, I'm well, like you. I just don't feel comfortable. I would be lying if I said I haven't had the the, the urge to do that. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I typically just, just – and I shouldn't – I have to be honest. There have been a couple of deer that I have shot that once I got down from the tree – they were, they were, you know, 20, I think I've shot one at 24 and my, you know, my pronghorn antelope a couple of years ago was at 26. Um, but in, if I'm, if I'm fully aware of, of, you know, that 20 yard limit, I try not to shoot over it. Um, but sometimes emotions can get the better of you. I'm a, you know, we're, we're, we're human, right? Uh, absolutely. And I think that's what's so, that's really what's drawn me to, uh, that style of hunting that that Mr. Womack shows me, and, and and also Chris and and Mr. Carter, which I have not had the privilege of meeting either one of those guys. I think I've messaged back and forth with Chris some, but those guys are just all stone cold killers. And but but they all there's one thing in common there, you know, and the way they hunt and the the feed tree, and you know, I've never seen anything like it. You can consistently put deer within, you know trad bow range all the time using that system and Mm -hmm. it it just plain out works so did you um did you have a trad bow before the compound at all like when you were younger or um or were you did you start with the compound and then you decided to try a recurve great question nick um so my my uncle had uh, passed down a, a recurve that that we had there at the house for a while and I played with it some when I was a kid and and uh, shot some fish with it uh, do some bow fishing and I, I'd shot fish for years and um, but I, I always hunted with a compound um, and then about uh, three or four years ago I guess it was three years ago I decided hey I want to try to shoot a deer with a with a recurve you know and well backing up before that probably five or six years ago I bought a longbow and I made my mind up I was going to shoot one with it I just never could get proficient enough to to do that. So I wound up getting rid of it and, and kind of got back into it a few years ago. Tried the recurve thing, and it took me a while. It took me, oh, my gosh, I'd say over a year and a half probably before I killed my first one with it. Hmm. Um, so I'm I'm really pretty new to the traditional archery game. I killed, let's see, two years ago, I killed my first deer with a recurve. And I think uh, the last one I killed was my ninth one. So I'm pretty new to it, but I will say that um, there's nothing like it. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. And I think that you're going to see a lot more people um, starting to go down that road. Um, 
you know, myself, I, I like the challenge. You know, I always try to find ways to challenge myself, and that seemed like that was just the next thing, and I love it. It's just, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you've managed to get a few of those on, on video, so, I mean, and and I still haven't, I've had everything in the world go wrong with that. But I was going to say, you seem um, to look like you know what you're doing, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, at least I've got you food. Huh? Well, you know, the videos I saw, I was like, well, this guy, what are you talking about? This guy's a trad hunter. You know, I was watching, <laughs> I was like, I mean, you're just effortlessly going back between the two. Um, and the other thing is, man, you said, you said you've killed nine with a recurve? Yes, sir. Nine with a recurve. Well, there's a lot of people who have been doing this a long time around here, I know, that have been hunting exclusively with trad equipment that haven't killed nine. So I would say you're doing pretty good. <laughs> but well, I, I appreciate it. It's it's been a lot of fun, and you know, this year I've spent more time with the with the recurve in my hand than a than I have a compound, and uh, it it actually works out really good to switch back between both right now because I'm shooting that uh, RK one recurve. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, um, I, but I I don't not off yeah, top of my RK head. No. Okay, RK one. It's a that's the model. Um, it's a joint venture between new breed archery and striker bows striker makes the limbs Mm -hmm. striker makes the limbs new breed makes the riser interesting and i'm shooting a new breed compound so the riser the feel the grip everything is exactly the same so i can go from one to the other and it doesn't it's not a big transition like it would be from you know some other bows very interesting i'd never heard of that that's that's first so yeah it's it's a great bow, and I think it's a good way to probably. It's probably a good segue too to mention that there's more guys coming out of shooting a compound, trying to, you know, just like all of us have. Hey, let's. I might want to try this recurve thing, you know. Um, and that's a good way to transition, you know, when you have a a bow that feels more like your compound. Yeah, that's kind of the. Uh, that, that's what we see around here a lot too. Um, it's usually the anything with a pistol grip, you know, because that's usually the mm-hmm. first thing that, you know, people look for, you know, they might pick up a stick longbow and say, well, this thing feels like a broom, you know, and that's like, there's just no <laughs> give right. to it or anything like that. But when they're, it's the wrist placement, you know, if the wrist, if that's the right. wrist can fall in there like that, all of a sudden it doesn't feel so foreign. And then at least they have some kind of grounding point because most of the compound shooters I see that go into trad, they've got great form. You know, they, you probably had a, a, a nice, strong, you know, bow arm, solid bow arm and, and, you know, back muscle tension and all that. Really, all you're doing now is you're just transitioning from, from that to what's doing the work and, of course, not being able to hold as long. And That's right. So, um, and not have anything to aim with. Yeah, well, yeah there's that, too. <laughs> um, the other thing was, so what do you think was the most difficult challenge going from, from a compound to a recurve that did you see? Was it the was it the not being able to hold it as long or the or the not being able to aim or or maybe even going from uh, from a release to fingers? Um, you know, I was pretty comfortable with the fingers thing uh, because I shot, well, backing up, I shoot instinctively. I don't know if you guys shoot instinctive oh, or gap. I definitely or, do. Or what? Okay. Yeah, instinctive. Okay. Um, and I grew up shooting that way, shooting fish that way, bow fishing. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty natural shooting fingers and, and instinctive and all that. Um, the hardest part for me was probably uh, was the hold, you know. Um, and 
I started, let me back up. The first year I killed with the recurve, I bought a Samick Sage. And uh, it's a pretty inexpensive bow. And I bought one in 45 pounds because I realized pretty quick that, hey, I need to be focused more on my form than I do, you know, speed or impact right. or, or, you know, whatever. So I got it in 45 pounds and I really focused on trying to get my form right. And then I gradually bought some more limbs and increased up to, I'm up to 55 pounds. Um, but yeah, I won't ever forget the first deer I drew back on. Deer walks up and it's like 15 yards and I draw back and I, I won't ever forget looking at that deer and, you know, I'm subconsciously looking for my sight pins, right? Coming from a, a compound and there's <laughs> nothing there. It's just me and this deer and this stick and string. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And I shot two feet over its back, but do you shoot the, the compound instinctively as well? Uh, no. Or do you shoot sights currently. on it? Okay. Not currently. I have, when I was, I was younger, uh, I hunted actually a little bit with a compound with no sights. Um, but I shoot a compound and a recurve, both uh, bow fishing with no sights. Understood. And that's, you know, it's funny you said that about the, uh, and it is kind of a, a unique concept to have the same riser and just and you know there's a lot of people that actually take old compounds and and do what they call wharfing them and turning them into uh, recurves. Hmm. But it, it, I I don't think I have ever encountered a single person who shot you know or hunted with a compound for years that decided they wanted to try traditional archery that went to a longbow. <laughs> they all go to the recurves, and I think part of it's the Part of it's the pistol grip, and I think a, a large part of it too is the speed. Um, you know, they don't uh, they don't lose as much speed, or maybe the recurve just seems uh, visibly faster. And you know, with light arrows, they they definitely are uh, faster than than longbows. But uh, I, have you ever heard of anybody, Nick, that went from a compound to a longbow? I never no, have. No, unless it was an art, a reflex deflex with a pistol grip, but not not an actual true mm. longbow. Um, and Oh, you're gonna make you're gonna make some people yeah, mad with that well, statement. That that was Nick that said that. Well, not Steve. American, not an American <laughs> flat bow. Let's put it that I way. Got like, you. I do. I know what and, you mean, brother. Well, I'm you know, it's funny when I, when I first started, I got you know they got me into a recurve, and everybody told me you know don't don't as long as you don't shoot a longbow right now, that's going to the dark side. You know, it's totally different. And <laughs> really, yeah, that's what they said. And I mean, I I literally I hunted, I, I learned how to shoot. And I switched up to a longbow mid-season, a stick longbow, and killed a deer two weeks later. I mean, I shot that longbow better than I ever did that recurve, but I didn't have the frame of reference of a compound ever. I had never shot a compound. Um, oh, wow. So the only wrist placement I knew of was I had a pretty upright wrist placement. And I, I went to it pretty quickly. But I could see that if you were hunting with a compound and the way – everybody has their holds their wrist it's way different it looks like like it falls right into place like on a recurve um so i could see how that would screw a lot of people up like i would never have a compound person jump right into a stick longbow i just wouldn't do it uh, you know a non-locator grip handle longbow um it would feel like it would be completely foreign in every way possible um but yeah that's uh 
Like, man, I, I don't even, I don't know how you would flip. I can't imagine flipping back and forth between aiming a compound like that and then going to a recurve and shooting instinctively. That would just that just messes my mind up even thinking about it. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, 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 and you don't have the point of reference, no. Nick. Um, but one thing I do want to go back to is one thing you said, and then I heard Ben comment on it's the the all the little uh niches that are in the traditional archery community um and and Nick and I see them see them all and it, and it's I don't think there's there's the longbow crowd there's the recurve crowd there's the American semi longbow crowd there's the high you know and then there's some of us going you know how short can you really make a longbow when it's no longer a longbow Right. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so there's all kinds of there's all kinds of uh little you know groups within the traditional community and you know you're just starting to kind of make that that journey now so you know i don't know how much of that you've been exposed to but you know we kind of joked about before we started um recording and and you know i even when we started recording i said i'll you know I'll give you a little bit of a hard time why haven't you you know committed to all trad and and I'll be honest with you, there's probably going to some people uh, listening to the podcast that's going to go, what do you mean they had a guy on there doing, it was talking about compounds, but there's some people that take this stuff way too seriously. And, you know, one of the things that Nick and I even talked about was before we started doing this is the quickest way that I can, I can turn you off from switching to all trad is to give you a hard time about shooting a compound. <laughs> it, it just, it, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, I'd like to touch I, on I want to talk. I want to talk. I'm going to talk into it, but I, <laughs> I'm not going to beat you up about it either. Sure, Ben. What, well, hey, what do you got to say about yeah, it? Yeah, no, you can give me a hard time all you want. I, I'll take it in good stride, <laughs> and I've got thick skin, uh, so you're not going to hurt my feelings. But I will say that I understand where you're coming from. That there are guys out there that you know, if you're not shooting X Y Z bow or this type of bow, or like you said, the different niches. Um, you know, they'll give you a hard time, but really at the end of the day, if you can get somebody to come from shooting a compound exclusively to any type of traditional bow, you know, that's a, I want everybody to at least try, try it once. I wish, you know, when I shot the first deer with a, with a recurve, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I hadn't been this shook up on a deer and ever maybe. And I wish everybody, I really thought while I was in that tree, I wish everybody that I know that hunted could experience this one time. And I do mean that. And um, so I want to get more people into traditional archery uh, for that reason, because it's just flat out awesome. And, of course, I'm not telling you guys anything, but maybe some listeners out there are going, hey, you know, I'd kind of like to try that or kind of got the wheels turning in the back of their mind. Sure. Go ahead and do it. You know, you can you can get you a bow for not very much money. That shouldn't be a hurdle. And it's just you got to put in the time and you got to put in the effort uh, and a lot of uh, uh, practice errors downrange. But if you're willing to do that right there, then you've got some – some real fun ahead of you so and yeah yeah you can get them cheap i saw last night sorry nick no. I, I had one throw this out there uh, another guy that i've gotten to know pretty good on facebook his name's walter lee um he uh, runs the podcast chasing tales t-a-l-e-s uh he went out last night stopped at walmart and bought a samic sage at walmart for 17 dollars what uh, 
Yeah, somebody had returned it, didn't have a string on it, but he bought it for 17 bucks at Walmart. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'd never find that kind of stuff. No, I, that's awesome. It, it is. I, I started on a salmon bow too. Although, actually, the first one I had was a regime, and that was a pile. But the other one, the, the, the <laughs> but, but Samic had just kind of hit the market. And Samic makes, I mean, they were making a really good knockoff recurve bow. I mean, they, they were just, you know, they're nice bows for the money. The Sage has gotten a lot of people started. Um, it has, right? Yeah, and uh, so here's the million dollar question, though, Ben. You're going, okay. you're going out in the yard tonight or whenever to fling an arrow. What are you picking up? Oh, I'm picking up that recurve, man. <laughs> All right, there you go. <laughs> I haven't done it tonight, but I did it yesterday. So, yeah, it's uh, and you know, sometimes I'll be honest, I kind of hate that that Nick didn't have that experience of of going from from something that is admittedly easier to right. you know the the challenge that that traditional archery brings um because it is i know i know where you're coming from and and you know that's one of the things that i keep going back to we're not to pull us back to that but just for a second but you know the people that are uh just so intolerant of you know the compound hunter it's all i knew when i started when i was 16 years old that's what my dad gave me and my dad wasn't a hunter so, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know what a recurve was at the time. Um, so it's kind of hard for people to, you know, kind of have to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and, and, you know, I, I can't tell anybody that they're, they're wrong for shooting a compound. I did it for years, but I, I do, I do think I will be willing to bet you're going to hang that compound up within another year or so though. It's just, one, man, right. that adrenaline rush, you just can't top it. I know you're you're exactly right, and there's been a couple times this year where I shot one with a compound. I thought, well, I sure do wish I'd have had my recurve. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you know? yep, uh, and 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 I'm sure that uh, that one buck yeah, that would have been that would have been the the nail in the coffin for me was shooting that buck with a a, a, tr- a traditional bow, and then I, I don't think I'd be able to pick a compound up again. Mm. But uh, yeah, that was that was just a. It was an awesome morning, and I'm sure I'm glad to get that one. <laughs> it was it was a good video, though. I mean, it, it was. was I, I enjoyed watching it. Um, I appreciate you know, I don't, that. I, I don't, and I don't know, Nick. Did you did you see the one with the bug? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I could not believe. I just, <laughs> and I can't imagine what was going through your head, Ben, because when that buck went down, I was like, "That's it." Oh yes, me too. I thought there's no way he'll get up from that. You know, subconsciously, I thought that. They're amazing animals. They really are. Uh, but they just really the, the 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 body action and the way that that buck reacted. I mean, I I think a hundred out of a hundred uh, bow hunters saw that would have said there that deer's done. Yep. Uh, I I still don't believe it, but I, I trust know, I trust either. you. It's just that I've never seen I've seen deer behave funny where they'll drop and then they'll get back up, but that wasn't a drop. That 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 deer looked like it, you know, went to sleep. I, That's right. That's right. And then, you know, I'm sitting there talking to that camera and he gets back up. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Rewind. It, it was bad. And what you don't see is, you know, I had to edit some of that out because it would have been a long, long video. But, you know, I came to pieces after I shot that buck, you know, because you sit for hours and you think, man, hopefully one day I'll get me a buck with this, you know this trad bow or whatever sure. and all of a sudden it just happened you know and i just i fell apart up there 
you know, I was shaking and <laughs> freaking out. <laughs> but I don't care if it's a buck or a doe to this day. After I shoot, the first thing I have to do is, is as quick as I can, hang the bow up unless I think I'm going to need a follow-up shot. Dude, I, I come I come unglued. I have to either sit down or hug the tree. I do too. I'll, I'll shake myself right, right, right <laughs> out of my tree stand. Uh, I know. It's funny. And, you know, some guys uh, talk about they get real shook up, you know, before the shot and I, others don't. And me, I, I get, you know, I'm pretty dead calm until after the shot. After I'm the same the shot, way. I fall apart, you know. Same way. I can, I'm, I, I'm cool calculating – uh, yeah, I don't. I very rarely get rattled at all until that era is in the air, and then it's just I come unglued. Bad. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> what about you, uh, Nick? You the same way? Yeah, I get in. I I kind of become a mess afterwards. <clears throat> Usually, um, what happens to me is I I immediately doubt that the shot was good. That's pretty mm-hmm. much happened every single time. Where I'm like, oh man, you know, I'm immediately just I I didn't hit that deer good, you know, uh, but you know, so that's I don't know why I always go there, but I do, um, and then uh, I have a real hard, I mean, like anybody, I have a real hard time sitting still for a period of time, you know, and actually, I'm kind of happy we have phones now because I can at least that kind of helps me stay put. You know, from doing anything stupid, (laughs) like I'll immediately send a message to Steve or another one of my friends or my dad, you know, and say, oh, I just, I just hit one and, you know, and I'll just kind of chill out or they'll chill me out or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, during the shot, I used to kind of just go into autopilot, but this year does that didn't happen that way. Um, I kind of, you know, I was having a hard time figuring out when to draw. And, uh, didn't pick my spots very well. So, uh, Hmm. you know, I I think I, I don't know if it's the yips or what, or if I, I, or if I just wanted it too bad. (laughs) What the heck is the The yips? yips? That's almost like, wasn't that a Paul Brunner scene? (laughs) The yips? Maybe that's somebody else. Uh, I I think that was somebody else. The yips. That's where you you get, that's where you kind of get. You know, you just kind of get, it's almost like a hiccup where you're kind of like, oh, the yips, huh? I just got the yips, you know? It's when you, when you take grip it and rip it just a little too far. I'm going to find out who told me the yips. I'm going to figure that out. I thought that was common knowledge. Wow. <laughs> apparently not to you Southern yeah. boys. You guys don't say the yips. You, uh, we, no, no. <laughs> not that. No, we just, no, we just kill deer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I know, I know we're a little bit off topic now. Um, <laughs> you guys have to stop making, I'm sure Steve's going to make a, a separate video of me just saying the yips over and over again and put it somewhere as a bonus footage or something like that. But, but, uh, we've been talking about, um, feed trees this entire time. Do you have any other tac- tactics other than hunting feed trees? Um, I know you were hunting creek beds for a while. I had some of your videos, you're hunting those. Uh, is there anything else you want to go into? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty much, I try to keep an open mind, uh, as much as I can. And I think that's a big, it's a big thing, you know, um, because when I have something dead set in my mind that I want to go hunt, a lot of times it just doesn't pan out like that. Or I'll walk past something that I shouldn't because I've already got a premeditated deal. So I try to stay as open-minded as I can. 
Um, but with that being said, you know, creek crossings, like you said, um, you know, as it gets to late season, you know, those feed trees play out. So now we're looking at, uh, you know, funnels and creek crossings, and trails and browse is a big one. Um, so, yeah, lots of different things. Basically, whatever the deer are on, you know, I'm going to follow that deer sign. Now, do you do you try to locate? I mean, obviously, a lot of what I would look for as far as late season foods probably same for you, which is, you know, uh, various briars, green briar, saw briar, obviously, um, uh, privet, uh, uh, Japanese honeysuckle, those kind of things. I mean, do you actually try to set up? in or around or on those or are you really more looking towards uh knowing where the deer are bedding and trying to set up to catch them moving from bedding to one of these i call them general food sources because they're kind of everywhere that's right uh if it's an area where you know like you mentioned privet if it's a giant privet thicket uh, i was in one yesterday and there's no way that you could narrow down on you know one privet hedge right so it's just everywhere so i look for a couple things you know i need something besides just that privet i need a privet and you know a real good trail right or maybe um i'm hunting a, a traveled corridor and it's a pretty big area but then all of a sudden there's a patch of green briar right mm-hmm. so i'll right. i'll focus in on i try to get two things in my favor if i can in a situation like that um and if not you just have to do the best you can but um really want to try to get two at least two different things going for me and that you know that even carries into early season even if you've got a good acorn tree there may be an area that's got a lot of acorn trees you know if one's not really standing out over the others i'm going to try to find okay here's an acorn tree right beside a real good creek crossing Mm -hmm. if i can get two things in my favor like that you know it really seems to help the odds a lot okay so you you got to tell the yankee what sawbriar is because i have no idea why you know i know your channel i thought man that's a cool name what, what, what's sawbriar yeah you know I, I didn't really think about that at the time but uh i guess you guys don't have any probably don't have any briars of any kind up there do you I, well we got I, I don't know anything i run into that hurts i just say ow and keep going <laughs> they 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 do have they do have briars up there i've i've encountered we do but i okay. this sounds terrible this sounds like, I don't know, the only thing I can think of is sand spurs. The way you got talking about it. So, I mean, they're not as bad as sand spurs, but so, so go ahead. Go ahead, Ben. Well, I mean, basically, it's just a, it's a almost a slang term for the type of briars that we have. There's lots of different types, but there's actually a saw green briar, which is a type of green briar that has got some, some thorns on it that, I mean, if you run into one at night trailing a deer and it, grabs you around the leg you're gonna know it <laughs> and um i'm always uh looking right now at my my hands and arms i've always got scratches all over them from uh from the briar patches and you know they're just everywhere down here yeah let, let me let me paint you a picture nick so if you if you think about you know most briar vines that you've seen you've got this you've got this vine or this this stalk and there's there's random thorns sticking out you know, as you go along that, that sure. line, yep. right? And if you think about us, uh, when you hear the term sawbriar, and then I'm going to tell you, if, so one thing, my first thought was why on earth would you name anything after one of those heathen sawbriars? <laughs> but 
if you look at a a, a, a vine of sawbriar, you can't touch the vine for all the different thorns that are sticking out. I mean, it's just like a, a I mean, they're everywhere. It's thousands of them on these things, and they're they're very sharp and they're very most of the time. Most of the time, they're fairly fairly short, not like a what you'd see on a, a greenbriar. Um. My first encounter with one of these things was was running through the woods barefoot when I was a kid, and it went right between my my big and and my big toe and the next toe, and just ripped my foot open. Um, they're nasty. <laughs> oh my god! But, I just looked this up. Yeah, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, they're so so. Uh, obviously, it's kind of a catchy. It's kind of a catchy title, Sawbriar Outdoors, but where did that come from? I mean, how did you settle on that name, Ben? I got to know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I really wish I had a, a, a cool story about it, but, you know, I I started this this YouTube channel, and I thought, well, I need to call it something just besides my name, I felt like, and, you know, every kind of cool, catchy name I came up with was, you know, taken up by somebody with some video camera or Facebook page or something somewhere, sure. you know, there's, you can't hardly come up with anything creative that's not already taken. And, uh, one day uh, I just ran into a patch of sawbriar and I thought, huh, sawbriar, it's just kind of hit me as a, a catchy thing. And I just kind of got tired of trying to come up with a cool name and just put sawbriar on there. And, uh, you know, I think it's kind of catchy and, and something that, that, that Sounds a little southern, maybe a lot southern to you, Nick. But uh, you know, that's what I went with. Well, at least you didn't put extreme in front of it or anything like that. You just extreme <laughs> sawbriar outdoors. <laughs> it, if you 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 pulled up a picture on the internet. Do you need the word extreme in front? No, of No, you saw don't. Briar? In fact, I pulled up sawbriar <laughs> injury, and that's even better. <laughs> yeah. But it seems like uh, it seems like every adventure I go on, I wind up in the sawbriar somewhere. So. There you go. And and they will it's almost like they it's almost like the things just jump out and grab you too. And what's and I so I know you've I know you've had this encounter too, Ben, where you're you're walking and you you uh it, it catches your shirt or something and the next thing you know the thing's wrapped all the way around your back or like you said, around your legs. It's like it just it it, it gets worse. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. It doesn't just stick you and let go. It, they, they, they latch on. Yeah, I mean, we got we got some stuff like that. I mean, we do have, you know, briar bushes and stuff like that that will – that I got – in fact, I got tangled up into one um, the last day into the woods and turkey hunting with John Buchin, you know, he – there's patches we've been in turkey hunting where he basically just turns around and backs through bushes – letting his turkey vest take the brunt of it because those things wrap around you and you know rip at you and stuff but they don't have thorns on them like you said steve they're like more consistent like the pattern of thorns is more consistent whereas this Mm -hmm. stuff just looks like it's just there was no rhyme or reason to what what grew on these things they just were like shark's teeth but (laughs) anyway i had to know but yeah i mean sticks into you and and doesn't let go that that makes for a good youtube channel that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I loved as soon as i saw it i loved the name in fact when when i saw uh and i know it was chris spikes that posted that 
I think it was a doe video that you uh, that you did. That Chris Spikes posted, but uh, as soon as I saw Sawbra Outdoors, I said I gotta go check this out. This is cool. Um, and you've done a lot. So it's not just hunting videos out there. I don't have it pulled up right now, but I know you've got you got one on caping out uh, a deer head. You got one on uh, um, laying catfish, I believe it was. There's several other ones out there. So the one question I would you know I would ask for you, Ben, is you know what's your what's your future plans for the for the channel? Do you have do you have anything planned? I don't want you to let too much out of the bag. Seems like this day, as soon as you mention something, somebody else will go and try to get the get the jump on you but you know do you have any future plans for things you want to do with the channel or are you just going to kind of continue creating content as it as it appeals to you well uh i've got a few but i probably ought to back up and and kind of give you a rundown on you know how we got this thing started and sure uh basically you know i I tried to start documenting some of my hunts i started keeping a journal several years ago and i kind of got burnt out on it and kind of got behind on, on the journal and, and I really, but I really wanted to, you know, preserve those memories and document those memories. And, and I thought, Hey, you know, what if I'd have had stuff from my granddad, you know, a long time ago. Right. So what if I could preserve this stuff and pass down to my kids and hopefully grandkids one day. And I just thought that that would be really cool, you know, and, and I think it kind of goes to the whole mantra of traditional outdoors of preserving those traditions and passing that on. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I wanted to do. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, what if I just got me a good video camera and started videoing this stuff and then keep a digital, you know, journal, so to speak. Um, and then I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, you know, <laughs> Where, where am I going to do it? What am I going to, I'm just going to have all these files. How am I going to store it? I thought, well, I can make little hunts, you know, and, and categorize it. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I may throw it out there and just kind of document it on, on YouTube. And that way, hey, I can share it with my buddies and, you know, hunting friends and that sort of thing. And so that's really how it all just started. It just started as me preserving those memories and documenting the hunts and, Hey, I'll throw it out there and maybe some other hunters will like to watch it. And hey, next thing you know, in a year's time, we had over 4,600 subscribers. And so it's really just kind of blown up, taken off and never really expected any of that. Um, so with that being said, um, other than preserving those memories, there's also another appeal for me and that's, uh, teaching other guys, you know. I'm all about trying to help somebody else out. And if, you know, in today's world, you know, there's all kinds of different content out here that people can go and learn from. Um, like Nick just Googled Sawbrier. He had that in just <laughs> a few seconds. He knew what one was. But <laughs> um, but like Mr. Womack, you know, he, he's put all that information out there that people can learn from. And he could have kept that all to himself, you know, but he didn't. He He posted it out there for others to learn from and I'm very grateful for that. So I want to do some things and just kind of help out other guys and maybe I can steer somebody over into the hunting world that maybe never would have gotten on it, you know? Sure. Sure. And there's other people out there that weren't as fortunate as myself and probably you guys that had somebody teach them how to hunt, how to fish, how to clean a deer, how to clean a fish, how to, you know, find a feed tree, whatever. 
Um, and for those guys that don't have that person in their life, here's somewhere that they can go and at least learn what an acorn tree looks like, how to skin a catfish or whatever it is that I decide to post on there. So with all that being said, uh, I guess plans moving forward is I'm going to try to do some more how-to type of stuff and maybe teach some more guys, whether it be young or old or whatever, some things that I've been fortunate enough to learn through some really great people along the way. Well, I'm anxious to see what you put out. Uh, uh, I think the uh, there's definitely a, a need for, for more people. You know, Nick and I talk quite a bit that, you know, it seems like every – Every week there's a there's a new podcast that shows up in the in the hunting community and you know the the YouTube channels are everybody's got them uh, but there's there's a, a special uh, group of people that's actually putting content together like that that's it's more about helping others out um, and it it's no uh, in my opinion it's no minor feat just to put yourself out there at all and, you know even on this podcast uh, you know Nick. Nick talked to me about doing this probably a, a year or longer before we actually started. And I kept putting him off. And part of it was just, I didn't know if I wanted to put myself out there because you, you know, you're going to have criticism. You're going to have, um, anything hunting, you're going to end up running into the, you know, the anti hunters every now and then and trying to oh, keep yeah. your composure with those folks. And that's a um, tough feat in itself. I, and we had one, I don't know if I've even told this, uh, told Nick this, we had a, a comment, it was actually on, on Chris Spike's episode, somebody posted a comment on the uh, website about uh, something to the effect of, uh, are you proud of yourself for, for killing these beautiful animals? I prefer to shoot them with a camera or something. And I always go through like three or four phases when I have something like that. The first one's the, the rage, and I want to just <laughs> lash out. So I sit there and type up the email I want to send. Right. Um, you know, and then I think twice about that, delete that. And then I decided, well, you know, do I even want to make this public or do I just want to ignore it? And I don't think it does any good to ignore it. I think in, you know, in, in some ways that just emboldens and empowers people that, that really, in my opinion, I don't want to call them ignorant, but they, they, they really are kind of, uh, living a fairy tale life if they think, um, hunting doesn't play a role in, in conservation and management of, of these resources. And I finally ended up putting a response that, you know, you know, I don't think there's ever an animal I've, I've taken its life that I didn't have a moment of remorse. Um, you know, if that feeling ever goes away, I don't, I don't even want to be out there anymore. But at the same time, every animal that I take either, you know, goes to my nourishment or goes to, um, families that I know that, you know, struggle to make ends meet and they can, they can use the, they can use the meat. Um, but what a lot of these people don't think about when they, you know, they're, they're jumping on the backs of hunters, they never consider how many animals were displaced and died by the shopping mall that was built or the apartment complex or, you know, the train state, any of these things. I mean, every time we, you know, there's, there's any kind of major construction cities go up, animals are displaced, animals die. And it's a much harder death than, than anything that, that, you know, hunters put these animals through to, to, to take an animal uh, while they're hunting. Uh, not to mention the fact that aside from any other organization, hunters put more money into the conversa conservation of, of whitetails, mule deer, uh, elk, you name it. 
And they, you know, they don't want to hear that. All they want to think about is, well, you killed a beautiful animal. Mm. Um, so anyway, sorry, I went off on a tangent there, but that was, that happened this afternoon and it took me about an hour of going back and forth to end up actually putting a response out there. And, and I went ahead and made it public. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to hide from it, but my first response was, it was probably a good thing. I didn't, I didn't publish that. Yeah, Steve, Steve, sent me, <laughs> I know Steve sent me his first response before and I, I always get a kick out of it. Usually, my usually <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I will share with Nick. The, be, the best, the best part of my week is getting one of those. <laughs> and he'd be like, "What do you think?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah you, you, you could, you could probably sleep on that a little bit, champ. Maybe come back to that later. <laughs> but that's right. He gets the yips when he, he gets. gets uh, yeah, I oh, get <laughs> the yips. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that was never going to die now. Uh, but you know, in all honesty, I sat there and thought about that the same way after I after the the you know my blood pressure went back down and I felt the heat leave my face. Um, I was able to sit back and think about you know I'm probably not going to change this person's mind, right. but I'm sure not going to change their mind by just lashing out and and being being nasty with them it just it's not going to do any good so uh if i'll give myself 30 minutes uh logic will prevail <laughs> sometimes that filter just doesn't work though. well <laughs> I, I i ain't getting out of this this podcast until i actually tell you guys the definition of the yips which i looked up <laughs> under mayo clinic symptoms and causes the yips are involuntary wrist spasms that occur more, most commonly when golfers are trying to putt. However, the yips can also affect people who play other sports, such as cricket, darts, or baseball. It was once thought that the yips were always associated with performance anxiety. There you go. I am not crazy. The yips exist. I bet you t- performance um, anxiety. I, I don't think one has to do anything to do with the other with regards to you. Being I, I bet crazy, you I heard it. I bet at you, least you do Tom. have a definition. <laughs> <laughs> Tom just got thrown <laughs> under the bus and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> That's priceless. That's priceless. All right. Back on the rails. Just a few more minutes. And, sure. and we, we, uh, so do you have, uh, you got any, you got any big hunts planned for, for 2019 or uh, let me, you know, what, before I ask that, let me go back. So everything that I've watched, you know, of your videos or what I've seen out there is, you know, deer and turkey. Do you, have you, have you, hunted any uh outside of alabama are you pretty content hunting in alabama oh i'd love to travel and uh i'd love to hunt all kind of stuff but um so far it's just been deer and turkeys you know and all other kind of small anything we have here in alabama to hunt but uh you know i'd love to go on a on an elk hunt and and uh i'd love to do a moose hunt one day but i think that's something we're gonna have to plan out for probably well in advance those are some pretty big trips uh, on several different scales but uh i have hunted out of state a couple of times for deer and turkeys and, and done well with those and i'm planning on buying a kansas tag this year and hopefully going out to kansas and and trying my hand out there deer hunting next year and for the past several years i've been going out of state doing some turkey hunting i love to turkey hunt that's probably my favorite thing in the world to do. So uh, I'll probably do a little traveling around and and uh, chase some turkeys across Midwest uh, this year as well. Well, I would say I would say Kansas falls into a, a big hunt plan for 2019. I've I haven't yet 
uh, had the opportunity to do that, but it's, it is on my list. Um, it's an awesome place. I love it. It's a, it's a lot different than, than Alabama. I can tell you that. You know, uh, and I, have you hunted, have you hunted, uh, have you hunted in Georgia? Uh, a turkey hunted in Georgia last year for okay. two days. I've never hunted Alabama. I'm, I've, I've often wondered how similar the two states would be. Um, well, I think they're pretty similar. The, the thing is, is the state of Georgia and the state of Alabama are extremely different from one end to the other as far as geography. True. Um, so North Georgia versus North Alabama and, and, and South Georgia versus South Alabama are pretty parallel, I would think. Interesting. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to try it out. I'm. I'm actually looking at possibly hunting some in Tennessee next year, and and possibly some in Alabama as well. I haven't worked out all the particulars yet, but uh, but but hoping to. Uh, Kansas. I don't. I don't know when that'll happen. I do want to. I do want to do it, but I just. I don't know. I don't know when. Um, I will tell you from personal experience. With regards to, you know, elk and moose, um, no time like the present to start the planning, whether it's, you know, it's, it's a goal you want to achieve in five years or 10 years. Uh, I had a goal of hunting pronghorn antelopes that it took me 34 years to fulfill. And the only reason is because I never sat down and said, I'm going to do it. And here's what I'm going to do it. And as soon as I did that, I made it happen. So uh, that's my only piece of advice I'd give to you or anybody listening is if it's something you want to do, make a plan, whether it, again, whether it's for two years or, or 10 years. Um, and you'll be surprised how how easily you can make it happen if you'll just sit down and, and draw, draw a line on the calendar and say, I'm going to do it by X. That's great advice. I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to do it. I can't take credit for it. Um, uh, a friend of mine, um, Jerry Russell, when I, he, so we have the traditional bow hunters of George and we have a banquet every year. And in 2015, went to that, went to the, the banquet and Jerry was given a little presentation. He's a, he's a guide. He's guided in Africa. He's guided and uh, he guides every year in, in Canada for bears. He's guided in Alaska and uh, he did a little presentation, and, and really the root of what he was saying was, you know, if if you want to do some of these things, there it can be done. And in most cases, it won't be as expensive as you, you built up in your mind to make it happen, but you got to make a plan. And it it really, really hit home with me when I started thinking about how long I'd been wanting to do some things. And, and you can always find excuses for why not to do it. Uh, sure. Kind of like... Kind of like having kids, you know. My dad, my dad told me, he said, "If you if you're going to have kids, just have kids. Because if you sit back and try to think about all the reasons not to do it, you'll never do it." Hmm. So, well, and it comes down to time too. You know, gosh, just crazy world we live in. It seems like there's just not enough time in the day. I definitely know what that's mm-hmm. like. <laughs> so, I was talking to somebody on Facebook the other day. Uh, in fact, it may have been Walter Lee, and we were talking about all the different things that that each of us have going on. You know, uh, Jason Samkowiak. I don't know if you know him or not, but uh, he does the traditional bow hunting and wilderness podcast and has a, a YouTube channel as well. And he's got so many things. I don't see when the guy sleeps, um, 
but you, I've gotten to where I can, I can pretty much get by on about four hours because that's about all I've got. <laughs> so, <laughs> hmm. well, are you planning on coming, uh, coming over to Alabama for any traditional archery shoots this year? You know, uh, I think the, 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 the pre-spring arrow fling that they usually have at Tannehill, I don't know if they're still having that one there and there's another spring fling that's going on. It's in Tennessee. I haven't narrowed it down, but I know there's a, a, a spring shoot in February that I'm actually going to be in Michigan that weekend for um, the Michigan Longbow Association banquet. Um, I've got a pretty much got as many uh, traditional bow hunting friends in Michigan that I do in Georgia, so I, I try to make that every year. Um, and then there's the the Howard Hill shoot that's in June, I think it is. I may make that. It'll just depend on what's going on because the month of June is also the month for the um, uh, Compton Traditional Bowhunter Rendezvous up in Michigan, and I'm definitely planning on being there again. So it's just timing. If if I can, I'm I'm definitely going to try to make one, but it'll just come down to when, when they occur. Well, good. If you uh, decide to come over, let me know. I, I try to go to both of those over at Tannehill or I'm going to try to this year. I think I did one last year and uh, there it's probably 20, 30 minutes from my house. So it's pretty convenient. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're that close, no wonder you see so many deer. I, I, <laughs> that, that Tannehill state park is covered up. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I think they frown upon. Uh, they do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't done it. I'm just telling you. Okay. <laughs> riding, riding through, <laughs> riding through there, going to the different shoots because I've, I've been a, a vendor at at both of those the the uh, pre spring air fling and the the Howard Hill shoot, and you know going in and out early in the morning, late at night, and the deer just everywhere on that place. But uh, you know, I'll say about the traditional archery community, like you go to a, a place like that where you get a lot of guys, uh, trad bow guys, gather together. Those are some of the nicest just genuinely friendly people i've ever been around and uh it's hard to believe that there's guys out there that (laughs) uh that get after each other as far as what kind of bow they shoot or whatever but really when you get out there on those uh, those type of events everybody's just uh kind of going together for the the same goal it doesn't matter what you're shooting and everybody's just having a good time i really enjoy that and i would say you know nick and i kind of we 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 talk about it a little bit on here, but for the most part, it's all in it's all in good fun. You know, there's there's uh, there's always going to be some extremists in anything you do, but most of the ribbing's in in really good fun. But I will tell you, um, based on where you're at, you're probably about three hours from where from where I'm where I live. We have a a local club. Um, and it's North Georgia traditional. It's about 30 minutes from my house. We're actually uh, talking about having a, a two-day event this year. We normally don't. We normally have a, a shoot the first Sunday of every month. But we're talking about having a two-day event. If we do that, I would strongly suggest you make the, the drive over. It'd be a lot of fun. We're probably going to be doing some um, some um, demonstrations and and. Uh, Hunting demonstrations, traditional archery type demonstrations, string building, that kind of thing. Um, have a, a potluck one night and basically two days of shooting. So, uh, and you're not a member, so you could do the whole thing for free. All you'd have to do is show up. But 
I'll, I'll keep you I'll keep you informed on that. I don't I don't know exactly when it's going to be yet. Probably in March, um, mainly because April's start of spring turkey season. So we want to <laughs> sure. we, we want to get it done before then. But I'll I'll keep you posted if it's if it's not too far to drive. I think you'd really enjoy it. Oh, I'd love it. Yes, sir. Please keep me posted. Well, you know what, fellas, we've been we've been rattling on here uh, a little over an hour now. Nick, you got you got anything else you wanted to bring up? I feel like I kind of did all the talking, and I know you're going to say that's because I did. No, it uh, was it was hey, it was a great <laughs> a great time, guys. Great conversations, a lot of fun. And uh, thanks for being on the show, Ben. Yes, sir. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. All right, guys. Well. Take care for everyone listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we forgot to even mention, this is actually our, our first episode of 2019. So uh, welcome to 2019, everyone. Hope you had a, a wonderful holiday. And, and if you are if you still have any hunting season left, like some of us do, best of luck with the rest of your, your fall season. And if, you, uh, if you've already wrapped up your season, be sure to get out there and start doing your scouting and preparation for the 2019 fall season. Take care, everyone.